Good morning. Good morning, everybody. A few years ago, this story relates to this church so much. It's, and I'm going to have you stand in just a minute when we pray. But before we do, I want to tell you a true story. It happened uh, part of it last night. But a few years ago, I was leading a church. We just built this building. Everything was great. It was our first day in there. It was a Wednesday night. And I'm up there and I'm teaching. We had a, a good crowd there and it just kept getting warmer in the building. And you can imagine because we just put brand new air conditioning systems in, right? It gets warmer, it gets warmer, it gets hot and people start sweating. It was the middle of July. And so I end it. We finish up. I'm like, what is going on with this dang air conditioning system? We turn it on, nothing's happening. So I go outside like every other good preacher would do and look and see if it's still there. And the whole outdoor unit was gone. Somebody came in in the middle of my preaching, cut the refrigerant lines, hauled it off, and they were gone. So here's what we did. That following Sunday, I told everybody about it. We laughed. Ah, wow, that's something. I said, I'll tell you what, let's pray for the dude that stole it. And uh, right there, we just stood up. We prayed for the guy that stole it. And here's what I said that Sunday. I said, you know what, Father, in the name of Jesus, I don't know who this numb skull knucklehead was that stole this unit. But, Lord, we pray that you convict him by the power of the Holy Spirit, that he comes in this church, he gets born again, and he serves in the ministry. Just like that. Can somebody say amen here at Action? Anyway, we had a former Hells Angel come in. A friend of mine, he spoke a few Sundays later. He was preaching. And lo and behold, that dude came with his wife, got born again, ended up working in our children's ministry. True story. And he had stolen the air conditioning because he was a meth addict and God had delivered him, set them free, got them born again. They started serving our children's ministry and still is a friend to this day. Isn't that a wonderful story? I tell you that for this reason. Last night, I don't know if you were here at the party. It was amazing. I mean, I was up here with my wife and we were dancing. I was trying to dance. I'm more like a mop, okay? But having a good time and, and uh, you know, every now and then I'd tell people, hey, we have church here too. Hey, we have church here too. And I went to the restroom and there's a couple of guys in there and they were letting those colorful metaphors fly. And it was amazing, you know. And, and so I said to them, I said, hey, we have church here too. And uh, so they stopped and we got to talking just a little bit and the guy reached out his hand to me and he said, hey, y'all, y'all make sure you pray for us. Pray for me, pray for me. I'm a sinner. I, you know, if I walked in these doors, uh, the walls might fall down. And I obviously thought, I thought, well, you hadn't been in the building, obviously. <laughs> you know? I mean, if these walls were going to fall, they'd already fallen, right? And so let's do this this morning. Let's pray for those two guys. I don't know their names, but let's pray that the, that the Spirit of God right there, where they are, they're probably experiencing a hangover right now, that God would, would rescue them, convict them, bring them in here and serve in this ministry. Can we do that? All right, let's all stand on our feet just for a second. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus, and we pray for those two men and all these other folks that were here even last night. They know that we're a church here on Sundays. They know that God's in operation here. They've heard about it. Now, Lord, we just pray you bring them in in Jesus' name and serve you here and serve the mission of Action Church in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Greet somebody around you. You may be seated. All right, uh, just to introduce myself, my name's Doug Crumbly, and I did pastor for years and years and years, and now I do more business stuff, and uh, I'm glad to be here at Action Church. My wonderful wife and my 
daughter, my son-in-law are here, my family, and I'm glad they're here. My two granddaughters are in the children's ministry. And I consider Action Church my home. And uh, yeah, I love it here. It's so funny, a few months ago, I, I saw Pastor Gary, and yeah, I'm gonna call him Pastor Gary, and Pastor Christine. I didn't ask her permission. She might be looking at me funny. But anyway, I ran into Pastor Gary at Ball Ground. I said, hey man, I've just had it on my heart, my mind, about thinking about coming to Action Church. And you know how he is. He'll just tell you the truth, won't he? He said, I don't know, man, you, you're kind of churchy. <laughs> oh, Lord, uh, I'm coming anyway. So I did. I love it here. I'm thankful to um, be here. And I'm thankful to be able to follow up from that wonderful message that he taught last week. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it or if you remember it. Don't tell him if you don't remember it because that's the worst thing you can do to a preacher it is. Just say, hey, yeah, that was a great message. And then go back and re-listen to it again. So we started a series on the basics. And last week, he covered the subject of prayer. And he said some really amazing things that will just, that kind of set me up. And I'm going to be able to set him back up uh, with the same subject because he was talking about prayer and the importance of prayer. And we need to be praying. And he made a couple of statements that were just kind of really powerful and out there and in your face. I don't know if you remember this or not, but he said this. He said, you know, the thing about the church, the church is the most powerful entity on the planet. And we are. And, you know, Bill Hybels wrote in one of his books years ago, and and I've quoted this a lot. He said that the only hope, the hope to the planet is the local church. really is. And then he came back. Pastor Gary did. He came back and said, you know what, though? The, the church has pretty much gotten impotent. We need to get back to prayer. We do need to get back to prayer. We need to get back to talking about these basics. We need to be praying again and understanding not only that we need to pray, but learn how to pray and pray effectively and learn how to partner with the greatest power source on the planet, the Holy Spirit, right? If I were to ask you a question, nobody answer, nobody yell this out. I'm just going to ask it just randomly, but if I were to ask you, what is the greatest gift to the world? Everybody would say what? Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? We wouldn't have to perish, but we could have everlasting eternal life with him. And that's wonderful, isn't it? But for the church outside the world, the called out ones, the body of Christ, when we ask that same question, what's the greatest gift to the body of Christ? It's got to be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you can't, you can't separate the two, but that's the greatest gift given to us. And unfortunately, for many of us, we grow up not really hearing much about the Holy Spirit. I mean, I grew up in a, a really country, Southern Baptist country church that back, you know, back in the 70s, I'll age myself, you probably can tell by my gray hair, or... What little hair? Yeah, well, don't, don't, don't say anything about that. Anyway, and I grew up in a little Southern Baptist church way out in the country in a place called Shannon, Georgia. I don't know if you've ever heard of Shannon. And it was always, you know, you go to Sunday school, you're a little child, and it's Jesus loves you. And you, you think, oh, Jesus loves me. And they give you toys and candy, and Jesus loves the little children. And you learn these songs, Jesus loves me, this I know, and all that stuff. And then you leave the Sunday school and you go to the auditorium. And in the auditorium, it was, God is holy. 
and scary and everybody wore suits and ties. And as a child, you think, man, I'm just going to sit in this poo, pew, poo. Yeah, I call it poo. Yeah, y'all are going to use that in the future. I, I, I just know it. I sat in the pew and uh, didn't want to move because God was holy. I was afraid he'd strike me. And we kind of grow up with that. And, we, you know, we, Jesus loves me. God is holy. And what's that other guy's name? And we kind of just keep that as we grow up in church. Well, my role here today is we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And, I, and in studying and getting ready for today, it was kind of hard to find a really good place to land this airplane because there's so much about the Holy Spirit in Scripture. So what I'm going to do today is this. Are you with me? We're going to talk about one main subject with the Holy Spirit that has to do with all of us. So the agenda is this. We're going to go through a few scriptures, and I'm going to give you three or four illustrations that will probably rock your world. True life illustrations, some things that I've done, gone through, just in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because my job, my my goal today is this. I want you to leave here today. If you don't leave here remembering anything, but you do have a you do have a hunger to really, really develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit and walk out the advantage that you have because He's in you. Because the truth is, we have an advantage as believers. You may believe this, you may not believe it, but as a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit who comes fully in you, inside you, goes with you everywhere you go, knows everything about everything that you do with you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, we have an advantage. Well, Brother Doug, I know that we have an advantage over sin. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about life. We have an advantage when it comes to our marriages. We have an advantage when it comes to our business. We have an advantage when it comes to raising our children. We have an advantage when it comes to building a church. We have an advantage when it comes to making decisions. Come on. We have an advantage when it comes to money. We have an advantage in all things, our health. We have an advantage living inside of us who, will, who has decided on his own, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never go anywhere. I will be there with you. I will be here standing by to help you no matter what you need help with. That's some good news, isn't it? Look at, look at your neighbor and go, wow, he's as loud as Pastor Gary. I know I'm not. So here, open your Bibles. Oh, wait, this is Action Church, isn't it? Open your iPhones to John 4.4. 4. Right, we're going to put it up on the screen. John 4.4, 4, if you don't mind. Oh, here we go. And I use the New King James Version. Is that okay? Okay. All right. Oh, if I can see it. Look at this. But whoever drinks this water that I shall give them shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give to him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What Jesus is talking about here, it's easy. He's talking about the subject of salvation. When you get born again, you get saved. We all believe it's permanent, right? Amen. Thank God. We get born again, then there's this well of salvation that we have access to. It means we can pray differently, we can be different. There's, some, there's a change that's taking place because of that living well inside us. Yay? But you know, Jesus didn't stop there. 
He mentioned water again, but kind of a different direction. I mean, there's a difference between a well. Look over here in the next verse of Scripture, if you would, please. John chapter 7. We're going to read verse 38 and 39. Jesus stood up in the midst of a crowd. Earlier, when he was talking about a life-giving, this water inside of us, this well of salvation, it was kind of like this. Hey, guys, I just want to let you know, you have a well of everlasting water living inside you. But at this time, he was at this party, at this event, and he just stood up and he said, hey, I just want to let you know that he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Next verse. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Look at that. For the Holy Spirit was not given because Jesus was not glorified. Has Jesus risen? Yes. Has he been glorified? Do we have the Holy Spirit living in us? So right now, in us, right now, look, I mean, right, look at, look at me, I'm looking at you. There is a life-giving water inside of us right now. Right now. Brings life. Now, there's a difference between a well and a river, right? You go to a well, you're drinking the water. Mmm, this water tastes so good. But then... He's talking about river of life that comes out and river brings life to every single person that it touches. So not only do we have access to this life-giving water, but others around us have access to this life-giving water. Now what I want to do, like I said, I'm going to give you three illustrations of different things that have happened in my life in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you, just warn you a little ahead of time, some of them are going to be, you know, like, wow, that was pretty, wow, man, but they're all true. I'm not going to exaggerate or embellish. This is just my life with the Holy Spirit because I want you to know that it's all about a relationship. It's not about religion. It's nothing to do with, that's why I like Action Church. I was thinking just the other day, You know, we kind of make it rough on religious folks. Well, we do. We're not trying to, but we're like, you know what? I am who I am. I've been born again. I love Jesus, and I love God. I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to be real. I'm not going to be fake, and and (laughs) it's pretty awesome, isn't it? And yeah, give yourself an applause. That's good. I love it. I told Pastor Gary back here when he walked by me, he said, hey, don't suck. I said, I love my church. (laughs) How about that? Don't suck. I love my church. Thank you for that. So we have an advantage. We have an advantage in the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit. So a few years ago, a real real true story, there's a picture. I had an airplane crash. I think you may have that picture, put it up there. Yeah, you see that? February, uh, a few years ago. Yeah, that was really, that is true. That is not Photoshop. That is the actual airplane that I was in. And, you know, a little side note, some things that I learned from that airplane crash directly is a reason why I'm here at Action Church. And I'll get to that in a minute. So I'm in this airplane, and we're flying. It's over in uh, Floyd County, close to here. We're flying over Berry College, and you know it's wildlife refuge area. And we're about 3,500 feet above the planet 
and that's a lot when you're up there. It's not much if you think about, but it's a lot. That's, you know, you die at 3,500 feet. I just want to let you know. And we're doing those wonderful, ungodly things called low-speed stalls. Anybody know what a low-speed stall is? Well, I'm glad you didn't ask, but I'll tell you. A low-speed stall is when the airplane, you're in it, and he raises it up like this, and the, the pressure on the bottom of the wings equalizes with the pressure on the top of the wings, and what happens is the plane just drops, and we're doing this. I'm getting used to it, but what had happened before, we're on the tarmac, and we're, we're out there, planes warming up, we're talking to control tower, or he is, and the carburetor heat control just kind of floats out on the dashboard. He pushes it back. It floats out again. He pushes it back. I look at the pilot because I was training. I was trying to get my license. I said, Howie, is that going to be a problem? He said, no, it's been doing it for two weeks. No problem. How many of you know that's a really good time? I should have been listening to the Holy Spirit at that point, right? But I was so excited, you know, I'm going to get up there. there. I'm going to get my pilot's license, hallelujah. And anyway, we take off, and it just happened to be in February, and it was, it was, uh, uh, oh, it was horrible, you know, cold and windy, and we're up there, and the thing starts breaking down. <laughs> and, I, and what I mean by that is the, um, the uh, uh, RPMs, they start slowing. RPMs start slowing. And I look over at him, and he's doing this. Like, he wasn't saying a word to me. And he's looking around. Well, I'm inquisitive. This is my life. This is, I'm in here. I said, uh, uh, Howie, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for a place to land. And I just said this. I said, well, what about the airport? I mean, we're not that far from the airport, Howie. Let's go to the airport. He goes, we're not going to make it. What do you mean we're not going to make it? We're going down. I said, no, 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 no. We can't go down, man. We got we to get to the airport. I had somebody, I've had people ask me all the time, or they don't ask me, they just make this statement. I bet you were praying. And my response is always the same, and it's the truth. I didn't have time. <laughs> I didn't have time. <laughs> you imagine. And so we're coming down, and here's where, here's where I want you, this is the point I want to get to. It had been raining a lot like it's raining now this February. Except we'd had more rain back then, and the ground was saturated. I mean, saturated with all water and wet and mud puddles. And, and he, how he says to me, he says, we're going to go up here to Stonebridge Golf Course. We're going to land on one of the fairways. You know the fairways where they golf? I don't golf, so, but I think it's called a fairway. And I don't know what happened. I had been praying, but not, not in the airplane. I, you know, I was a, a person, I love to pray, and I still pray. I love to pray. And I try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Well, in that moment, we're coming down, and inside me, this is why it's important to listen to the voice inside you. Listen to your partner, the Holy Spirit. Listen to that life-giving water. Listen to the gift of God that was given to you. Inside me, I mean, I didn't hear a voice it wasn't like something appeared to me. It's just all of a sudden I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that if we hit that soft, muddy grass with that airplane and that propeller still turning about 900 RPM, my, 
it, it was totally Holy Spirit because I'm not that smart. I'm really not. But all of a sudden, I was, a, I guess, a physicist major. Because I knew that when that propeller hit that mud, that all that energy was going to go through that airplane and I would be living no more. I just knew that. I knew that once we landed on that fairway, there was a really good chance by the way we were coming down, and it was horrible, that that propeller was going to drop, hit that mud, we would be dead. I knew it. I just knew it. I don't know why I knew it, except I know now the Holy Spirit was, was impressing upon me. So I just yelled as loud as I could. And I'm not going to yell here, but I said, Howie, bank the plane and land on the driveway. The hard part, the pavement, the entrance to the golf course. Now, he's not supposed to listen to me as a good pilot. Some of you know that. He's supposed to put out all distractions, fly the plane, land the plane, save our lives. But I knew if he followed his instincts, we would die. Two weeks later, a Delta pilot was flying in the same county, had a similar situation, landed in a field, and the plane twisted up into an unrecognizable ball, killed two people two weeks later. But this day, Howie listens. Mm, He banks the plane. He turns it. He comes in. We hit a light pole. That's why the wing's off. We hit nose down on hard pavement, pavement, bounced into a pine thicket, crawled out the windshield, standing there looking at the plane like this. Wow, I was just in that. Here's what Howie said. He said, man, I am so thankful you were in here with me. Now, I'm glad you feel that way, Howie, because I'd rather have not been in this airplane. (laughs) True story. You know who helped me that day? The gift of God helped me that day. How many of you know that you go through situations in life and it looks like horrible. It looks like, man, this thing's going to crash and burn. There's no way out. But you've been given an advantage. And so if we would just learn to be aware of that advantage that we have already inside of us. How many times will the circumstance or the situation, would it turn out better? Now, don't go back and start going, well, I wish I'd have listened. Because we all can do that. We all, we've all been through a situation in life. We've Every single person in this room, you've gone through something, you've been through something, and you look back at it and you think, man, there was something on the inside of me that was saying, turn right, and I turned left. There was something inside me saying, not get out here at this restaurant, but I did anyway. Come on, somebody. You know it's true, Right? That's why it's good to come to churches like this. We learn, hey, wait a minute, maybe I need to slow down and just listen because you might, you might and you probably will at some point in your life. You're going to be in a situation where you don't have time to pray it out. You don't have time to ask for counsel. You don't have a cell phone to call somebody and call Sister Sarah and you know, Cousin John and ask them what they would do. You got to rely on that partnership that you have with the Holy Spirit, the, the gift that was given to you the day you were born again. Come on. I know somebody's be like, yeah, but you crashed anyway. I might have crashed, but I'm alive. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's important in that advantage. Number one, listen. 
Listen. Sometimes you need to put that cell phone down, turn that television off, get your Bible, and just sit there and listen and meditate and pray and just listen and walk around. I love it. You know, first Sunday I'm here, uh, Gary was talking about, you know, I'm getting away with this week. I'm going out to the creek. I'm putting the phone down. Don't try to catch me. What was he doing? He's out there listening. It's important, isn't it? Not only for he and Christine and their family, but important for this entire church that he takes that time to what? Listen. Listen. I tell you what, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. If I'd been listening, I probably wouldn't have gotten on that plane that day. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'll just walk around my house reminding myself, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. You talk to me. You're my friend. You're, you're, my, you're my partner in life. You are a, you're a gift to me, and I just appreciate you so much. Thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Okay, look, in the, look over to verse of Scripture. John chapter 14, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures here. John 14, verse 12, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Most assuredly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. That's Jesus talking, y'all. Guess who he's talking to? Us. Look at your neighbor, just because your neighbor might not realize it, but just look at your neighbor and go, he's talking to you. Oh, that wasn't loud enough. Come on, action. We're a church of action, right? He's talking to you. Look at this other scripture. Look down to verse 16. Verse 16. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, I want to open my, my Bible here to that because I've got something that I want us to just hone into before I get to this next illustration that I want to share with you. A lot of times in church, and I've done it, we've done it, we all do it, because we just get busy. We don't think. But a lot, and, and preachers are no, notorious about only talking about the Holy Spirit when it comes time to convict people of their sin. And so the whole church just grows up thinking, well, he's the, you know, you ask people, hey, what's the, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? And most Christians will tell you nowadays, oh, he's the convictor when I sin. And we're all proud of that. But, you know, in Scripture, he doesn't talk about convicting you of your sin so much as he does the world. You're already born again. He, he, has a, he has a complete other job description, if I can put it that way, or role in your life. And, and Jesus brings it out really well right here where he talks about the spirit of truth. The world can't receive it. Go back to that last verse that we had up there, please. Verse eight, verse 16. Is that it? Yeah. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. I want, I want to just talk a little bit about that word helper. Actually, when you study that word out in Greek, Aramaic, there's, there's seven meanings to that word helper. Anybody know what they are? Seven meanings. And I'm going to call them out and see just give us a better understanding of what he does in our lives. So number one, and we love this one, he's our comforter. Oh, thank God the Holy Spirit's our comforter. I mean, as a pastor, uh, my first church, I'm a young man. I got out of Bible school and I'm like, I'm gonna go just win the world to Jesus. Then I started pastoring a church and I realized sometimes those aren't wings on the back of those people's neck. It's shoulder blades. 
And it was, uh, help me Jesus, it was different, okay? So I'm pastoring my first church, and I get in there, and the first year, my first year pastoring, I had 14 funerals. Man, I'm just right out of Bible school. I'm this young kid. I'd never, I'd seen a funeral done before. I'd heard there were such a thing as funerals, but I'd never done a funeral. And, it, and, and you know, right out of Bible school, 14 funerals, and a couple of them were young people, and it was just horrible situation. And, but you know what I, I realized during that first year? That the Holy Spirit really is a comforter. Because there's a peace to the believer that nobody can understand, can go through the hardest of times in life, but smile on our face. Why? Because there's an inner comfort that's taking place that you can't get through counseling. You can't get through alcohol. You can't get through pills. You can't get through any of those things like the Holy Spirit can give you. And so one of the, jo- one of the words he uses in his job description for us is comforter. And then he says this, it also means counselor. The word also means he's our intercessor. He's praying for you right now. He's praying for you right now. Hey, don't go to sleep. Father, help him not go to sleep right now. <laughs> Pay attention. But the, Bible, the, the words are advocate, stand by. I love that one. The word stand by. What do you mean stand by? He's standing by you right now, just waiting. He's with you. Call on him. Pray. Stand by. Advocate, and the word strengthener, and then also, again, the word helper. Everybody say, he's a helper. I'm out of Bible school. Actually, I'm in Bible school at the time. Now, this is, this, this is going to this, this be fun to share this, because I've not shared this much with anybody. I'm out of Bible school, and I come home for... Uh, Winter break, we're out for two and a half weeks, and I came home from Bible school, and I'm all fired up. I've been listening to preachers all day and preachers all night, and I'm just like, ooh, I'm full of word. And my grandmother, she's with Jesus now, my grandmother calls me on the phone, and, and she's real southern. She's from up above Chatsworth. I mean, she's real southern, so I'm going I'm to give you how it sounded when I answered the phone. Hello, Doug, this is not all. She said, would you go by the hospital? My cousin Otis is in the hospital. He's had a brain stem stroke. Would you go by there and pray for him? Any medical people in here? Is that bad? That's pretty bad, isn't it? And uh, so I, I thought to myself, yes, ma'am, I'll go pray for him. Well, on the way over there, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's in ICU. He had a brain stem stroke. And my trained you know how we are. I'm like, I'm going to go in there and just pray, comforter, Lord, comfort him, Father, take him on, Jesus, take him on. That's what I'm thinking. You with me? Now, let me just tell you something. When the Holy Spirit asks you to do something, he does not care if, it, if, if, if you think it's going to make you look stupid. Doesn't bother him at all. He does not care how big of a risk that you have to take. My job isn't to consult with my friends on the risk factor or how stupid I'm going to look. My only job is to obey him, right? And I don't mean a voice or anything like that. I just mean there's something inside you. You just know this is what I'm supposed to do. 
So I get to the hospital, and I had my Bible with me. Back then, I used to carry a Bible about the size of a Volkswagen. Big old Dake's Bible, large print, you know, like this. And I walk into the Redmond Hospital, my Bible, and I'm thinking, I'm going to go pray, Lord, take him home in Jesus' name. But as I'm, as I'm getting off that elevator, I think second or third floor, I'm walking down the hall. Inside here, I hear this. I, I didn't hear a voice. I just knew I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to pray God heals him physically today. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Hope, you know what I do? I start thinking, man, I hope there's nobody in the room. What if it doesn't work? Because most time, <laughs> most time you, you pray and it, you know, they go to heaven. So anyway, I go into ICU and a nurse is in there with me. And she says, go ahead, pray for him. He can't hear you. Because I walk in the ICU room where Otis, Cousin Otis is. And, and, and I don't, I'm not, this isn't making fun. I just want you to see what it was from, from my viewpoint. He, his head is moving around and his tongue's kind of hanging out and his arms are like this and he's on all these tubes and it was, it looks, it looked bad. So I walk up to him and I'm thinking, wow, nurse is here. Oh, and then another nurse walks in. I'm like, what the hell? But I didn't say it, I thought it because, you know, you think things you don't say out loud in a time like that, right? And I, I just said, well, you know what? If I'm going to look stupid, I'm going to look stupid. I'm about to leave, go back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they'll forget about it. So if I look stupid, I'll just look stupid. So here's what I did. I said, ma'am, ladies, I'm going to pray for my cousin here. Are y'all okay? She goes, yeah, we'll just stay right here. We'll bow our heads. I thought, ah, that was your cue to leave. They didn't leave. So I went, I laid my hands on him. Both of them, and I said, Lord, I just thank you that Jesus provided healing as part of the salvation package. And God, I just pray for Otis right now. You know, in the book of Acts, they laid hands on people, and, and you healed them. Otis, and then these words just, before I could pull them back. <laughs> Holy Spirit doesn't care. Otis, I just tell you in the name of Jesus to be healed, and I command this stroke to be healed. I didn't know anything about strokes, and... I backed up, and Otis still looked the same. So I just said, I just said this to myself. Oh, well. Uh, hey, I'm being real. I leave. I get out to my car. I go to lunch. I'm eating lunch. My phone rings. It's my grandmother, just like this. Doug! <laughs> I thought, okay. Hey, grandmother. She goes, what happened up there in Otis's room? And I, here was my first thought. Oh, God, I killed him. I swear I thought that. Oh, God, I killed Otis. She said, um, what'd you do? I said, I said, Grandmother, I just prayed for him. Is he okay? She goes, I don't know what happened. I just got a call from the nurses. Otis woke up. Otis came too. Two days later, Two days later, Otis is driving a car around town. Yeah, it wasn't any. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. There was no, this was not, I would have liked to have been the big faith man. You know how it was? But it was just like, hey, just obey the Holy Spirit. 
And it's so important because he'll give you these impressions. But if we don't understand the prayer and we don't understand how to pray and be, be in his presence and listen to him, we can miss opportunities like that. Because I'm going to tell you this again. He does not care how goofy you may or may not look. He doesn't care how big of a risk that it might be. He's your helper. And here's what I've realized. I might have gone in that room and it might have upended my theology because this little Baptist boy, you know, growing up like that. But my job isn't to promote my Baptist theology. My job is just to obey the Holy Spirit in me. That's the only job we have as believers. That's why last night I'm like, you know what? Hey, I'm out here dancing. I'm out here partying. I'm enjoying this music like crazy awesome last night. I might as well tell people, hey, we got a church here too. I had one guy tell me this. He goes, really? Yeah. I said, and by the way, I'm, I'm actually speaking here tomorrow. He goes, really? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your service. <laughs> Just like that last night right up here. <laughs> hey, it's our job. It doesn't matter if we look goofy or silly or if it's a bigger risk or any of those things. The Holy Spirit wants to work with us. Why? Because we have an advantage with him. Everybody say advantage. Now, this last one, this is my last illustration today. How much time do I have? Okay. I want a couple days. (laughs) Jesus. One minute. I want to share this because of our church and because of some things Pastor Gary shared last week. Um, man, this, is, this just encourages me like you cannot believe. You know, he's already made the announcement about our building and the city owns it and they're going to bulldoze it or whatever. And so now we're like, okay, yeah, what's, what's next, God? And in situations like that, it can be sort of risky because you got to, Talk about things before you get the money to do it, right? And you got to dream about things before anything's in your bank account. And you, you've got to cast a vision about things when people really may or may not understand why, right? And so uh, I've had this happen to me twice, and I'm excited about the future. You have no idea how excited about the future I am of Action Church and being a part of this. You have no idea. It just, it just excites me. So a few years ago, I'm, I, I start this church, and, you know, we start out like all churches, and, and uh, we didn't have a place to meet, so I call a friend of mine. He owns a bunch of funeral homes, and he, we happen to be friends, and he says, hey, I've got a funeral home up north of the city, and you can have it, and I'll pay the electric bill. Y'all just go meet, just, and we'll clean it for you. Really? Yeah. So we started meeting up there, a few people, and it grew to about 40 people quickly, and we're outgrowing that little tiny room at the auditorium. And I start thinking, man, we got to find a building. we got to find a building. We need a building. We need a building. Hallelujah. And so we're looking around in town, and we found this one building that we liked. The problem is that building was 30,000 square feet. We're brand new. We have no money. We have no history. We have none of those things, but we do have the Holy Spirit working with us. And see, that's important for us to understand as a church, as we're looking for larger buildings, it doesn't matter about the price tag. None of those things matter. Why? We have an advantage. We do. So I'm looking at this building, and here's what I did. I get to the parking lot. I'll never forget this. I get there that morning, 
I'm driving around the parking lot, and I just feel impressed inside me to start praying for that building. So I did. I said, Lord, I just thank you. God, this, this, this feels right. This feels like it's supposed to be ours. Lord, I want this building. In the name of Jesus, I just receive it now. Hallelujah. That's all I did. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? And so I do my due diligence. I call. I find out who the owner is. I call the owner. It turns out the guy that owns the building, I've done business with in the past. And we're kind of acquaintances. He calls me back. And he says, hey, Doug, you know the whole conversation. I said, hey, Tom, I'd like to see if you'd lease me a portion of your building. He says, "Um, well, let me get back with you. How much do you want? I said, oh, about 10,000 square feet will be fine. That's sufficient. That's all I need. He said, I'll get back with you. Two days later, Tom calls me. He says, Doug, now listen. I don't want to lease you 10,000 square feet. How much money can you afford? I said, well, we can afford about $1,000 a month. Y'all know that's low, isn't it? This is a very nice newer building. He, I said, um, we can afford about 1000 a month. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to lease you 10,000 square feet. I'm just going to lease you the whole thing. You just take the whole thing and have fun, enjoy, do whatever you want to do in that building. It doesn't matter. Just treat it like your own. I said, I think I will. So we move in that building. Well, I'm still praying. We're still praying. Leadership starts praying. Lord, we want this building. And uh, we're also praying about a few other things that, that actually Pastor Gary Lamb inspired me back then to do. He doesn't even know. I've never told him. But it was his inspiration that helped me to realize this is what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. And sometimes he, he works that way. And so I thought, okay, I want to start this other ministry that would help women that have been uh, sexually trafficked. And we're going to need some more space. And so I'm looking around thinking, well, the owner of the building we're in, he calls me eight months into it. Here's what he says. I mean, we're church eight months old. Doug, I just want to let you know that we're going to sell this building. We're going to sell it. I said, you're going to sell it. He goes, yeah, I just want to give you first rights. You want to buy it? I said, well, how much do you want for it? He says, well, the building you're in that's 30,000 square feet, I want to sell for $1 million. Now, I didn't tell you this, but attached to the building, there was another 68,000 square feet of building space and a home. It's a whole campus. He said, I'm going to sell the other one. I've already got a potential buyer. I'm going to sell it for a million and a half. So you can buy yours for a million. You can buy this for a million and a half. And something crazy happened. Listen. Inside me, before I could stop the words from coming out of my mouth, I'm on the phone, and they just came out. No, Tom, no, no, you're not going to sell any of it to anybody. I'm going to buy all of it. Yeah, have you ever said something, and your brain's going, would you shut the heck up? You ever had that? Your toes crinkle up? Would you shut, shut up? But I didn't. I said, we're going to buy the whole thing. And after it came out, you know, a couple minutes go by, I thought, yeah, that was, that's right. I'm going to buy the whole thing. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't say consult with your banker first. He doesn't. He doesn't say call your pastor first. So <laughs> it's out there. You want to buy the whole thing? How are you going to afford it? That's what he asked me. I said, don't worry about that. I'm going to buy the whole thing. 
It's a true story. My daughter's right here. She walked right through it with me. So, I call a friend of mine. I say, hey, I didn't even have a board yet. I had no church board. I had nothing. I call a friend. I say, hey, guess what? What? I just started a nonprofit, and you're on my board. He goes, I am? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm broke. I don't have a dime. I said, well, that's both of us. I said, we need to buy $2.5 million worth of property, and we need to figure it out. He goes, well, come on. He was just like me. He said, come on. Giddy up, baby. Giddy up. What do you want to do? I said, let's go to the bank and see what they say. So we go to the bank, and we're sitting there in front of the vice president of the bank there at Synovus. And she is looking at me like I had lost my ever-loving mind. And she says to me, she says, Doug, there's no way on the planet anybody's going to give you $2.5 million. You don't have the credit score personally for it. Neither does this guy. Neither one of you have it. Your church is too young. Your nonprofit's a month old. There's absolutely no way on earth that you're going to get any money. You might as well forget it. That building will never be yours under any circumstance, under any situation. The underwriters will absolutely say no. You know what a lot of people would do? Walk out. They would. Not realizing that the power of God was present with me in the room. So I look at her, I said, well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but is there anything that I could do to make it happen? Nope, there's nothing you can do. I said, wait a minute, listen, think a minute. I'm being a little pushy, aren't I? Is there anything we could do to make this happen? And then she opened her mouth and she said this, well, if you came up with $500,000 as a down payment and you had other people leasing the building and you had signed contracts of at least, listen to this closely, five years uh, leases, they might consider it. I smiled. I said, that's all? That's all? And so I go back to praying, praying. I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do I do? And I just felt impressed to call Tom back. I called Tom back. I said, hey, Tom. I can get this building, but I need $500,000. Would you consider loaning me the down payment, and I'll just make two payments on the note, and I'm going to get the other people to increase their lease? He goes, yeah, if you can make all that happen, I'll do it. Woo. I called the banker. I said, hey, I got the down payment. She's like, no, you did not. I said, yes, I do. See, the other thing about the Holy Spirit, you have an advantage, and it's not just where you are. He goes out beyond you. I mean, he could be working a deal in Oklahoma City for you here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's true. He knows where your kids are. He knows where everything's happening. And I mean, listen, we've got to learn to rely on him. Next step was getting renters. There was already a, a mental hospital that had the rest of the build, the other part, uh, a state of Georgia uh, hospital or facility, whatever they're called. They were renting it, and they were year to year to year. They had 12 locations in Georgia, and every one of their leases, it was their policy. One-year leases, and I needed a five-year lease. So I called I said, I met the CEO and the CFO on the phone. I said, I'm, I'm planning to be the new owner of this building. Would you meet with me? I want to talk about how we can help you and improve. And, of course, they said, yeah, let's meet. We met the Cracker Barrel in Dalton, Georgia. Just the four of us. My, 
partner there and these two people and we're sitting there and we're talking and she says, she, the CEO finally looks at me and says, so what kind of a lease are you wanting? Because we're only allowed to have a one-year lease. There again, it came out my mouth before I could pull it back, baby. I said, well, here's what I need from y'all. She said, what? I said, I need a 10-year lease from you. Their policy is one year. She said, what? Are you kidding me? We don't do 10-year leases. We don't do five-year leases. We do one-year leases. I said, I'm sorry for me to buy the building. I need a 10-year lease. I need a 10-year commitment from you. And the CFO nudged her. When he nudged her, I thought, thank you, Holy Spirit, glory to God. He looks at her and he goes, you know what? Her name Melanie. You know what, Melanie? We can do a 10-year lease. So anyway, long story short, they signed the paper. We go back to the bank with a 10-year lease. We go back to the bank with a half a million dollars as a down payment. The bank looks at me. The lady looks at me. She's just shaking her head. She says, I don't know how. And that's what the world will say about you. They'll say it about us all the time. That I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you raised that money. I don't know how that happened with that guy in the hospital. I don't know how you survived that airplane crash. I don't know how you did what you did. And you go back. You're not taking the glory. You're not taking any credit. You just go back. I've got an advantage. And he lives on the inside of me. And he's with me 365 days. And here's the best thing about the Holy Spirit. If you don't get anything out of today, remember this always. He knows everything that there is to know about everything. Glory to God. He knows every single thing that there is to know about everything. And you have complete, full, no religious access. You have straight, direct access to him any time of day that you need it and want it. Right there, right in your chair right now, you may have children that are away. You may have parents that you're worried about. You may have a situation in your body you're concerned with. It may be a business deal that you're trying to make happen. Let me just tell you something right now. The Holy Spirit in you knows everything that there is to know about everything and his role in your life is more than convictor He's your helper. Look at your neighbor and go, thank God for the help that I have. A little bit louder. Thank God for the help that I have. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this today? I love my church. God bless you guys. Band, come on up here. I should have given you a cue of when to come, but that's okay. I'll just stand here and look at y'all until the band gets here. How's that?